How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com or anywhere you download podcasts. I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano back with us. And of course, former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman, RJ Hollis. And guys, the University of Hawaii football team suffer another close defeat. They fall to two and seven on the season, one and three in the Mountain West Conference with a 27 to 20 loss to Wyoming in the battle for the Paniolo Trophy. And as mentioned, the Bows now one and three in the Mountain West Conference. All three of those losses came in games decided by one possession. So very frustrating to say the least here to see the University of Hawaii lose another close one in the MWC. But we got a lot to talk about here on the heels of this Rainbow Warrior defeat to Wyoming. But before we hear from Rich and RJ, let's hear from University of Hawaii head football coach Timmy Chang. This is what he had to say following the game. Again, Wyoming 27, Hawaii 20 in Manoa. You know, in the fourth quarter, uh, Got to make a play somewhere and, uh, you know, get a stop, uh, make a play on offense, special teams. But, uh, you know, I think that's the difference in the game. But well-fought game, proud of those guys, love those boys. And uh, that's the message to them. Back to the drawing board for, you know, our skill guys and and um, and, and Shager. And, and, and he's going to continue to learn. He'll continue to get better. And, and that's what I enjoy. I mean, he's having really good practices. And, and it's starting to come along. You know, now it's it's – it's really taking these moments and, and understanding, hey, in these moments, in these games, you know, what, what's your mind going through? Are you seeing everything? Where's the windows? Where's the holes? You know, if he starts to get up in that 70, high 60 percentage, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to see the offense take off. All right, again, that was University of Hawaii head football coach Timmy Chang following their 27-20 loss to Wyoming. And so, guys, let's start talking about this ball game where the Rainbow Warriors lose possession of the Paniolo Trophy. We talked about it last week. We talked about it heading into the game that the Paniolo Trophy was the only trophy that Hawaii held possession of, of all their rivalry trophies. Uh, now the trophy case is empty because it went back to Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, so uh, one of the many reasons why this is such a deflating loss for the Rainbow Warriors, who anyone who's watched them, you could kind of feel like this is a team that could be in the mix in the West Division standings, but instead they're near the bottom, only Nevada below them with that one and three conference record. And so Rich Miano, I'm just going to allow you to kind of set the tone here for this episode of Bo's Football Final. When that game ended, what was the biggest takeaway for you seeing another Rainbow Warrior loss? Yeah, it was deflating, as you mentioned, Rob, because that was a good Wyoming football team, offense, defense, and special team. So I felt like Hawaii is going to have to do some, uh, some Manoa magic, you know, and take the ball away, and they did that. So let's talk about uh, what Braden Shager said. You know, the fact of the matter is, Rob, is the University of Hawaii football team is running out of weeks. There's not many weeks left to show that they're a pretty good football team, right? And again, a little bit of lack of offensive identity, also offensive inconsistency. And then when you talk about the defense, they've been so good about really taking away the strength of Mountain West Conference opponents, which is running the football. They didn't stop the run last night, right? So that came back to fruition. Special teams, in my opinion, are not special as well. Somebody needs, as Timmy's been preaching, to make a play at the end of a football game. And, Robert it rains in Manoa, and besides growing flowers, it's waiting patiently for this offense to germinate, uh, but we're running out of weeks. 
Yeah, and you mentioned it rains in Manoa. There was a monsoon at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex uh, early in that game. I think everybody uh, felt that one. And there was even a play where, I mean, the the you bring up special teams, right? It was when the rain was coming down the hardest and Dior Scott goes and tries to get a punt. And it's like, no, let that go. When the rain's coming down that hard, you just let that, that one bounce. But uh, R.J. Hollis, when you look at this loss, it's interesting because when this season started, right, we, we've talked about it at length, it, blowout loss after blowout loss after blowout loss. And this looked like a team that was not very good. And then they had their bye week following that New Mexico State loss it's starting conference play. And they turned things around to where at least we're talking about a football team that is competitive in every single one of their conference games, which I, I don't think was a gimme for anyone that watched this team early in the year. So there was a sense that with these close losses, San Diego State, Colorado State, it's like, ah, yeah, that's a tough one. But the Bows, man, they're they're improving. They're progressing. There's this process going on, and, and they're right there. And so there's something to feel good about. But as the weeks go on and this continues, it almost seemed like expectations change, right? No longer do people view this as a bad football team. They view this as a team that could be winning football games but aren't. So it kind of changes the mindset of how people walk away from a loss here, right? Uh, yes, most definitely. And I mean, you know, I hate to be the guy with the cliche sayings, but close only counts for horseshoes and hand grenades. And at the end of the day, your record is not showing what you are. People that watch the University of Hawaii football, they watch faithfully. There's not many bandwagons left. There's not many, oh, we're going to jump on this team because they're hot or because they got a new five-star recruit. People watching this team truly love and analyze the University of Hawaii football team. The last three losses in Mountain West that they've suffered have come by a grand total of 13 points. That is not even two whole possessions that separate the University of Hawaii from being one and three in conference and four and zero oh in conference. When you're that close to being that successful, and I mean, if we as analysts were to be told, "Hey, Hawaii's going to go four and zero oh in Mountain West," just so you know, we would probably look at whoever gave us that news and be like, "Okay, buddy, say no to drugs." But now that the games have come and you've seen them. You are 13 points away from being 4-0 and in Mount West Conference after starting 1-4 and and then losing to Western Kentucky, losing to New Mexico State. There was a lot of things stacked up against this team. So I think there is the positive aspect of people seeing that they are close to winning a lot of these games. But at the end of the day, there are no moral victories in football. Close only counts for horseshoes and hand grenades. And right now, instead of looking at the 4-0 team, that is – less than two possessions away from being there we're looking at a one and three team and we're trying to discuss what can be done to help salvage this season instead of being in attack mode to go for a mountain west championship yeah let's go over some of the numbers here from the university of hawaii's loss to wyoming and i think the one that's going to jump out immediately for anyone that looks at the box score is 365 yards rushing by the cowboys dq james 14 carries 179 yards he had a long of 74 that's an average of 13 yards per pop only to be outdone by dewyan mcneely his name is dewyan people like hawaiian with a d and he enjoyed being on the Hawaiian soil. Four carries, 81 yards, a touchdown along the 61, 20 yards per carry. And, of course, Andrew Peasley, their quarterback, 
He goes 7 of 15, 76 yards, passing two interceptions, three sacks, was not able to do anything as far as throwing the football, but he had 14 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns. This University of Hawaii rush defense, we've seen them really good at moments. We've seen them really bad at moments. We've seen them in the middle of the road at moments. Rich Miano, you talked about offensive identity earlier. You know, when you look at this defense and stopping the run, it just seems to go on a week-to-week basis on whether or not they're able to do it. Yeah, but they have played pretty well the last three games. So, But this, to me, this is the first time in four games that Hawaii didn't win the line of scrimmage. There were more missed tackles, Rob, than the previous three uh, games, I thought. And also some assignment errors. You could tell by gap cancellation, uh, gap integrity, those type of things, right? But the positives were the takeaways. The positive was the, the pass defense. But if you can't stop the run, Rob, in the Mountain West Conference, you ain't going bowling, right? This should have been a, a slugfest, two lightweights, Tylen Hines versus DQ, Dairy Queen James. Instead, it looked like a Jake Paul fight. Wow, the Jake Paul reference. Uh, man, Rich is up with pop culture. Hey, Dude, yo, I, that's why I didn't even say anything because I, I was floored. I think I blacked out for a second. Wow, man, mm-hmm. I'm impressed. And, and you know what? Hey, you got to give Jake Paul some credit, man. He's, 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 <laughs> all right. Hey, so w- the interesting thing is, with this defense, right, is we can talk about the yardage all you want, right? At the end of the day, as RJ Hollis would say, is that this University of Hawaii football team was tied at 13 in the fourth quarter, right? So you could, I mean, you could give up a million yards rushing, but if you're not allowing them into the end zone, you are doing your job as a defense. And so, RJ, when you look at, as a whole, this defensive effort, Peter Manoma with his first two interceptions of his career, he had a forced fumble and a sack. I mean, the dude was playing with his hair on fire. When you look at the whole picture, did this defense do its job? Uh, you know what I mean? Because at the end, when, when you look at a ball game, all you're asking your defense to do is keep your offense, just give them a chance to win the football game, right? I mean, uh, and, and Rich, am I wrong by that? I mean, you're a de- former defensive coordinator, and obviously you want the defense to go out and win football games. But really, as you head into a football game, isn't the thought process of, just give, make sure our defense gives our offense a chance to win the game. Is, is there any truth to that? Yeah, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of truth to that, right? And that's what Timmy Chang had mentioned. He said, you know, what I need for this defense to do is to get off the field. Well, they didn't probably get off the field enough, time of possession, third down, whatever else. But the other way you get off the field is by taking the ball away. So uh, Talanoa Hufunga, I meant Peter Manuma, for the <laughs> slip had those two big interceptions and only got three points off of that. And like you say, they're they're making teams kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. Offense has to score more points in any conference, but especially the Mountain West Conference, if you expect victories. Yeah, and that's the big point that I wanted to get to you, RJ, is two interceptions by Peter Manoma, only three points you get out of it. How big is that over the course of a ball game when you get into the fourth quarter and your defense – has given or had taken the ball away twice, but only three points go up on the scoreboard. And it's almost like, okay, we just got to keep this up. We got to keep this going until the offense is able to answer. No. Yeah. It's huge. And you gotta, as an offense or as a defense, you got to understand that you have to carry your weight. You have to do your job, do your one half, one eleventh, however you want to break it down. And, you know, one thing I remember vividly is the last football game I ever played. That was the middle Tennessee game. 
Our offense was stuck in mud. Middle Tennessee goes up 14-0. I rally the guys together and say, hey, man, we need to get this done. We're failing you, but defense, give us an opportunity. We're going to come back, and we're going to show you what we can do. I believe it was Ikamo Keke got to strip the next play or the play after that. Jelani Tavai picks up the ball. We score after that. Then there was the interception by Trayvon Henderson. There was another interception by Jalen Rogers. And when they intercepted the ball, the first thing I would do is run up to them. And before they got off the field, I would thank them. I would dap them up. I would make sure they know it's our turn to do our job now. And as an offense, when you get two turnovers, you got to at least be able to turn that into one touchdown worth of points. So a touchdown, two field goals, whatever it may be, but you have to be able to carry your weight, carry your end. The defense is stepping up. They're doing what they can with who they got. A depleted defense, lost a lot of talent, even more so with the injury to Isaiah Tufunga. But Logan Taylor stepped up. He's done what he's needed to do two games straight where he's leading in tackles. So as an offense, when you see your defense giving you the ball back, when you see your defense making red zone stops, goal line stops, you owe it to them to at least, if not keep them off the field long enough to be rested, turn that hard effort into points. It's the defense's job to stop, and it's the offense's job to go. So if they give us two times an extra ball, we got to give them two times the extra points, in my opinion. A strong effort out of the running backs room for the Rainbow Warriors, truth be told. Tylen Hines, 11 carries, 103 yards, his first 100-yard carry of or 100-yard game of the season. He averaged 10 yards per carry or 9.4 yards per carry. Dedrick Parson, 12 touches uh, or 12 carries, 30 eight yards, uh, lost a few of those. So it ends up being a net of 29, but was also the leading receiver, three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. Braden Shager at quarterback, 23 of 45, 205 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, was sacked only once, um, but wasn't able to lead his team to victory. And so, Rich, I'm interested to, to hear what you have to say about Braden's effort. When you watch this game, from first quarter to fourth quarter in, in a weird way, it kind of felt like maybe you could even argue that this was his best football game as far as throwing the football and making decisions. Um, yet you look at how many incompletions they were, obviously a handful of drops. Um, you know, how do you really look at this? Is Braden Shager moving closer to progressing to the quarterback that I think a lot of people think he can be, or is this a game where he remained the same or took a step back? Interesting, Rob, and, and and I do agree with a lot of your points in terms of he makes throws that nobody else can make, and, and he he looks brilliant at times. And uh, I think you know Timmy said it best when he said our offense will go when Shaker goes, and I and I truly believe that. But the identity needs to be more defined. The execution has not been achieved. The, if the mistakes are not corrected, Rob, it's going to continue to spurt. And you see brilliance and then you see inefficiencies and you can't really point your finger to one thing whether it's a drop ball was it a penalty was it an overthrown football um but i do like this young man and i i also look at a little bit you just can't blame it on physical mistakes right when you talk offensive identity the first series shaker was under duress under extreme pressure austin hop it was a bad matchup he was getting beat in the first two plays guess what they do second series it's all quick throws get it out of his hands the middle screen to Dedrick parsons touchdown then you you start to think that wow that was a brilliant scheme that was a brilliant series and then you see a a, a pass to ill manning a jet sweep on first down on us 
why did Tyler Hines only get the ball 11 times? Why are we not trying to be more physical when we can be? There's just, and I hate to criticize offensive play calling because it is a tough kind of uh, uh, mathematical problem. But I just think part of the identity is just not physical mistakes by offensive players. It also has, to, the blame has to go on the offensive play calling as well. Yeah, RJ, what are your thoughts on the offense and, and, and what happened on Saturday night in that loss to Wyoming? You saw, you know, it's funny, in, in the Spectrum Sports pregame show, uh, we select our impact players, players that you think could really help uh, alter this game in regards to a University of Hawaii victory. And, and I brought up Tylen Hines, and I was saying, look, only four times this season did he get more than five touches in a game. And in those four games, when he gets at least five touches, he averages over eight yards per touch. And, you know, I mean, you're getting first downs after first down whenever Tylen Hines gets this ball. And so they needed to find creative ways to not only get him the ball, but then without taking the ball out of the hands of Dedrick Parson, who is also an important piece to the puzzle here for this offense. They were able to do that, but as Rich brought up, you know, when a guy's hot, a guy's hot. And you almost feel like Tylen Hines could have even impacted this game even more if given an opportunity. And the ball wasn't thrown 45 times, right? But a lot of times, especially with the offense that UH is running right now, um, where it's kind of a mixed bag, if you see 45 pass attempts, you you would guess that they were down big or, or they're, they were trailing for most of the game and they're playing catch-up. But this was a game that was 10-0, it was 10-10, it was 13-13 into the fourth quarter, and yet Braden Shaker has 45 pass attempts. Is that too much, in your opinion, R.J. Hollis? Ooh, okay, I'm, I'm going to answer this as best as I can because I have to have a few set of lenses on this one. Because the one thing that's always been said all season is that the passing game needs to catch up to the strength, which is the running game. If I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm thinking this. And when I have a 10-point lead, the go-to is run the ball, run out the clock, get everybody off the field as fast as humanly possible. But – when I realized my quarterback hasn't thrown for two touchdowns in any other game the entire season, well, maybe that makes me a little concerned. Maybe as an offensive coordinator, I start thinking to myself, I've got to force this passing game to catch up with this running game. As strong as Dedrick Parson and Tylen Hines is, as big and as physical as this offensive lineman can be when they're running the ball, eventually that passing game is going to have to be a part of this offense. And if I just sit there and hope that it fixes itself, then it'll probably never get done. Like I said, Braden Shager, this was the first game where he's thrown two passing touchdowns. Other than that, it's been one passing touchdown in every single one of his starts or no passing touchdowns at all. Even if you go back to week two, zero passing touchdowns, four interceptions. So I could see why the guy's hot. Tylen Hines is hot. The running game is hot. Let's go ahead and keep feeding that. But as you know, Rich could allude to training players, as Rich could allude to, as you could even allude to with anything that you do. If you want to become good at something, the number one thing you should do is try to fix your weaknesses. So if I just constantly give Tylen Hines the ball, he's already a baller. The running game's already there. Well, that's great for the sake of, you know, possibly keeping us in it, possibly holding the lead longer and escaping with another win. But when somebody meets us that can stop this running game, well, now I'm going to be double negative because I haven't got the passing game up and our running game is being stopped. So I understand 
Tylen Hines is hot. He's electric. He's somebody that you give the ball, you just wait to see if he passes that second level because chances are if he does, he's gone. But at the end of the day, as an offensive coordinator, knowing that my passing game needs as much work as it needs, I can say that I somewhat understand why there was more passing attempts. You haven't had a wide receiver go over 50 yards in the past two weeks. You haven't had a wide receiver go over 100 yards, but two times this whole season, and those are two different guys. Jonah Pinoke against Vandy, Zion Bowens against San Diego State. So knowing as an offensive coordinator that my passing game needs that much work, yeah, maybe I do call a few extra passing plays just to kind of get it running. Hey, can I first of all interject? Because I used to think RJ was somewhat of a good, controversial thinker. Now I think he's an apologist. And that series, oh that series where, first of all, we resorted to the 100 greatest plays in football with a double pass by uh, Last Chance U with a uh, tackle eligible pass to Il Manning. We saw some fly sweeps, everything else that we really haven't seen in the playbook. But on first down, we run a fly sweep in the red zone in the plus 10, and we get tackled for a loss. Second down, I think we gave it to Diedrich, or it could have been Tyler, but he got eight yards. I saw Michael Vanderpool going like this, and it wasn't like he was signaling tempo. He was signaling, let's go. Just let's go behind us on the interior. That's where Tyler's averaging 10 yards a carry. We need to get in the end zone, not worry about, you know, how we're going to face the next opponent if our passing game is weak. I just think the hot hand – Again, what did Wyoming do? They went to the hot hand. Their backup running back, Titan Hines, could have had 175 yards, too, if we would have gave him 20 carries. Hey, Rich, I am right there with you, and I'm going to interject that by saying you were at the beginning of my highlight tape saying that I went up to a coach and told him we needed to run. When I, I agree. Told him we needed to run, not only did we run, we ran that backside vertical, which means Diosomy St. Just has to get behind R.J. Hollis every time he gets up to the second level. As a player, of course, I'm going to say let's run it every time. Of course, I'm going to do. You know me. I, let's get it. Let's get it in. If we don't throw the ball ever, I don't care. That's Braden Shager's fault. I could give it down. But as a person that now has to, like I said, put on the multiple lenses, because you know, you know how people get, you know the era of sensitivity we in. I have to let people know <laughs> that I do have some sort of understanding as to why the passes may have been called. Doesn't mean I agree with it. Doesn't mean I would have did it. But I do see if my passing game is that much struggling, we got a 10-point lead, let's figure something out. You was trying to figure it out a little too long, and you let him come back. So I'm with you, Rich. And if it was me on that field, Tylen Hines would have touched the ball 38 times. You got to let the big dogs eat, RJ. Right now, you go throw the ball 45 times at anorexic, man. Solo Vipoodle needs to gain weight. Yeah, no, that's what I – and you know me, baby. Hey, I'm double the cow bean, three scoops of rice. Let's get it. You feel me? That's But that's me as a player, as somebody that was putting on the shoulder pads. Now I got to step back and kind of be like, oh, if you was old and you was out there and you was the coordinator and people coming <laughs> at your helmet, how could you – you know what I'm saying? But, no, I think, you know, when the guy's hot, run with him. But at the same time, you kind of got to understand both sides. But I'm with you, Rich. Trust me. I'm with you. Definitely the running game continues to be the strength of this University of Hawaii offense. And I think we are all in agreement to where you can see that, hey, 
Talon Hines was the hot man on Saturday night. Dedrick Parsons was 1B in that being that hot man on Saturday night. And uh, maybe getting them the ball a little bit more could have helped move the chains for the Rainbow Warriors, especially in that second half. But with that being said, Zion Bowens has been a hot man here this season uh, since the start of the Mountain West Conference uh, began. Uh, their schedule began at San Diego State, and uh, they tried to get him the football here on Saturday. I believe it was 12 targets to Zion Bowens, but when the game is over and you look at the box score and he has four catches for 35 yards and a touchdown, it almost goes to that sense of what Timmy Chang's been talking about really for two weeks of saying, hey, these close games, someone just got to make a play. You never know when that play is going to happen that's going to shape the result of this ball game. It could happen in the first quarter. It could happen in the second quarter. It could happen in the third quarter. But with that being said, once you get into the fourth quarter and that ball game's knotted, I mean, it's a brand new ball game. I mean, it's down to those final 15 minutes and everything in, intensifies. And over the last couple of weeks, that's been the difference between victory and defeat is that the teams that Hawaii is playing – Guys are stepping up. Guys are making explosive big-time plays, breaking tackles or making tackles, whatever it is. There are players that are taking victory, right, with them, as opposed to the University of Hawaii, who just in the fourth quarter this season, just or really over the last couple of weeks, have been unable to do that. Rich Miano, how do you fix something like that? Because it's not a scheme. It's not – Really, anything that I I think that is coachable at this point, it's just rising to the occasion, right? Yeah, and that's what Timmy referred to as Manoa magic, right? You got to get some bounces your way. You got to make some plays. Good things will happen for you. And it hasn't really been that athletic justice so far. It seems to have went against this University of Hawaii team. And we could be talking about Timmy Chang as the coach of the year. We could be talking about 4-0 in Mountain West Conference play. But, but it is, Rob, you, you know, the guys got to continue to work. They got to continue to believe in one another. They got to continue to challenge each other. It's like when we used to make plays, we would all be on the sidelines going like, I can't wait for the defense to go back in because I'm going to make a play. I can't wait to make a play. You don't back down for the challenge. You step up to the challenge. You, you challenge one another. Who's going to make that play? And it's a competition to who makes that play. Is it Jonah Kahavai Welch on the reverse a couple weeks ago in Colorado State? Is it uh, Zion Bowens getting having a little stronger hands coming down with that ball instead of the DB knocking it out of his hands? It's little things like that that win football games. But I really believe that this team is going to make some plays and going to win a few of these games remaining out of the four. But somebody got to step up. And yesterday was special teams. I, I thought the kick by uh, Kyler Helveson was phenomenal. It popped exactly at the right time, hits the guy in the face mask. You got my man uh, Hugh Nelson right there to recover it. It just doesn't happen or else I think that momentum would have led to a score and they possibly would have won that football game. So somebody got to make a play, whether it's on offense, defense, special teams, but it's nothing more frustrating. The fact that the opponent is making the plays at the end of the game. RJ Hollis, end of game woes for this University of Hawaii football team. What jumps out to you? Yeah, I was really just. I thought thought his shirt fell off the wall. No, there was, there was like a delay. No, I was like, it's not for this time. But no, it's it's really what Rich said. You know, just somebody having to step up and make a play. I remember, you know, when we were having the Bose football finals conversations in week one, week two, Joey Yellen was getting in, Braden Shager was getting in, and we were talking about naming a quarterback, naming a quarterback. That was the word we were using was naming. But you guys remember what I said? Somebody has to take it. 
at the end of the day, yeah, there's guys that are, you know, given starting positions, but there's a responsibility for you to go out there and handle that starting position when you get there. To know that you have three losses separated by less than two touchdowns, there is no way somebody in the back of their mind can go, if I didn't make this one play, it would have made the game. If I could have made that play, if I could have caught that fumble, if I could have did what I did, then it would have made the game. But at the end of the day, it didn't happen that way. And now you are looking at the wrong end of not going out there and taking it. I always bring up 2016 because it's the only year of success that I had my entire time at the University of Hawaii. And there are players in the, my mind, Vianne Mawala against Fresno State, blocking the kick, um, John Ursua. John Ursua, when we got in the huddle in the first overtime at Air Force, literally walks up to everybody and says, I got it. Play breaks. We don't even call anything but the protection. He says, I got it. He scores on that play. He says, I got it. He scores on that play. Ikamo Keke, our missile on our kickoff team, that was always the special teams guy. When I riled up everybody against Middle Tennessee, he said, I got you, big bro. He forces the fumble. Jelani picks it up. These are mem- This will stay in my head forever because this is what made my career. Very little moments. If Keelan Evalico drops that out route against Louisiana Monroe or whatever borderline winless team that was, there's no bowl game for us. Oh, UMass, UMass, yes. If he drops that out route or if he catches it and runs out of bounds instead of having the wherewithal to tippy-toe up the sideline, you are talking about a completely different ending to that season. And just like we're doing that now in the good way with 2016, it's doing the reverse in this season. If those plays are made, we are talking about a completely different team. We're talking coach of the year. We're talking Mountain West Conference potential competition because even though you were one in four in the first five games, none of them were Mountain West. So if you're undefeated in the Mountain West, hey, now we're talking totally different things, but those plays weren't made. Coach Chang is telling it like it is. Guys got to step up and do it. And at the end of the day, that's what has to happen. Somebody's got to step up and make those plays when they need to be made. You know, Rich, I want to ask you because I I brought this up to RJ very early in the show in regards to that progression of this UH football team where things looked dismal in the beginning of the year where it's like, oh, this is rough. I mean, how many how many games are going to look like this where they're just blowouts? Why he's not even in these ball games, right? And then there's that shift, that turn of the tide where now games are competitive. And so even with the losses at San Diego State, at Colorado State, there was a sense of confidence that you could feel within this football team at practice, walking out to the next game that like, this is a team that thinks that they could beat anybody that's remaining on the schedule. Is Hawaii in a danger zone right now though, when there's only so many weeks that you can live through that, right? Where you can almost beat a team and then walk away with confidence. Are we getting to that point of the season where as these continue to stack up, does there become doubt that like, okay, we understand that we can compete with teams, but maybe we just can't beat these teams. Yeah. You know, Rob, the old saying is winning is a habit and uh, losing is a habit too. And I think what RJ is saying, alluding to is, you know, a Peter Manuma, when you watch the excitement and the smile on his face and he makes mistakes, don't get me wrong. We all do as football players, but man, he loves this game and he loves to make big plays and stuff. And you can see that in Logan Taylor, LT, 
You also got to see that continued maturation in your quarterback, Shager, because he can make the throws and he can make the plays. So confidence in cockiness is something that it's a fine line. But this team needs to believe they're going to win and they need to believe in each other because if they start giving up, guys transferring because it's not a winning program, guys not believing in what they're doing offensively or defensively, that's when, you know, things go downhill. I really believe when you look at the Fresno State, the next opponent, they won the game on an onside kick. They won the game with two late scores. They were trailing the whole game. But the belief system is the most powerful thing in the world. The mental game is the most powerful thing in the world. You do all your physical work up until game time, but then you got to believe you're going to win. You got to believe you're going to make the big play. Big plays happen because people believe in themselves. Yeah, very interesting. And you set the stage right there. I mean, the University of Hawaii now goes up against a Fresno State team that felt the complete opposite of what the Rainbow Warriors have been feeling here over the last few weeks is, is they were down, they had to fight back, they were able to do it, and now they get a W in the standings and they're up at the top of the Mountain West Conference West Division standings where the University of Hawaii is at the bottom with three close losses in conference. Well, let's crack open the Bose football final mailbox. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N, Instagram at Rob DeMello, Facebook, Rob DeMello, email rdemello at K-H-O-N-2.com. And let's start things off with Kyle, who is asking, should UH not do things like the ha'a or elaborate introductions until they have a winning record? And so... Um, the ha obviously something that Timmy Chang brought back into the program that had been missing for a little bit, um, I guess, in uh, terms of elaborate introduction. I'm guessing they're talking about the the music that they come out to walking out of the tunnel and onto the football field. Uh, before I hand things off to you guys, I just got to say that all due respect, Kyle, ridiculous. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, to, to even um, to to question whether or not you do the ha'a because you're not winning is losing sight of what was lost with the University of Hawaii program over years, right? It's that the ha'a isn't about football. It isn't about winning football games. It isn't about how good you are on the football field. It's perpetuating culture. It's, it's making the University of Hawaii unique. It's what separates the Rainbow Warriors from any other team in the country because if anyone could do the ha'a, right? But at that point, you're not doing it on Hawaiian soil. You're not doing it for a team that represents Polynesia, the, the, the only college football program that are, that's in the Polynesian islands, right? And so uh, that it's just a ridiculous thing to me that wins and losses shouldn't have anything to do with whether or not you do the ha because then you could say like, oh, well, then should they not carry the Hawaiian flag because they're not winning? Should they not, you know, wear Hawaii across the their chest? Should they not do the alma mater after the game? Yeah, I think, exactly. Uh, you answered that question, bro. You don't do this whether you win or you lose. You do that for culture, traditions, and all those things. And that's the great thing about college football. Case closed. Yeah. RJ, your thoughts? Yeah, no, of course you're gonna do it. Cause when you do the ah, you don't you don't know who's won and who's lost yet. It's before the game, so what the hell do it matter? Go out there and win, and then it don't matter. But at the end of the day, that's something that's like saying if a UFC fighter has a losing record, should they just stand in the octagon before the match? Like, don't even walk out, don't even have music, just stand there. You wait for him to come out because you suck. So yeah, no, no yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. No it's nothing. like those uh yeah. 
You it's like those uh, back back in the day in like the old WWF, right? When they'd have like the big stars and on TV, they would only fight guys that no one knew who they were, right? They yeah. they, they wouldn't get an entrance. They just show up and their name would be like, you know, Harry Smith, right? Yeah. From Parts Unknown. And they'd have no music. And Bobby the Brain, he didn't even call them the Ham and Eggers, right? Like, right. Uh, uh, who are these jobbers? Yeah, so, the, Washington, the Washington Generals, bro. Only yeah. the Globetrotters get the intro. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and I, I do have to say, you know, I tweeted something on Saturday night that, um, you know, in, in terms of the game day experience at the University of Hawaii and something I was disappointed in. That's two home games in a row that between the third and fourth quarters, there is no final 15 in honor of Colt Brennan, which I think was probably the most organic and fan participated in tradition that the University of Hawaii has had in a really long time. And that's when the third quarter ends, you start playing the Bob Marley music, you have the final 15 Cope Brennan montage video playing, and everybody stands up and they start singing no matter what the score is. They start singing One Love, they take out the cell phones, they put the light on, and, and that's nothing. No one ever had to tell fans what to do, right? It was just the first time they played the song, they, they labeled it final 15 in honor of Colt Brennan because of his jersey number 15 and the, the final 15 minutes of the game. And, and it just organically happened. And they did it uh, all of last season. They did it th for the first couple of home games here this season. Um, and it, it, the last couple of home games, it's been missing. And I, and I realized that the, the, the team that puts together the game day experience probably intended to run the final 15 um, but there were events that were taking place uh, uh, on Saturday night. It was a, a costume contest uh, that went long. Uh, Billy V on the microphone and that thing got extended. And so they played the final. They started playing One Love for about three seconds. And then the, the first play of the fourth quarter happens. In my book, that means it didn't happen, right? The final 15 didn't happen. I'd like to see um, someone at the University of Hawaii identify how important that tradition is because there aren't a lot of traditions at UH. And the main reason why is because over the years, uh, the program has allowed head coaches to decide traditions, right? And with each head coach, it's a new set of traditions. And when that head coach leaves, then that new head coach doesn't want those old traditions and they start their own and, and there's been a handful of coaches, right? And so everything that June Jones removed when he got here and started and, and you had the, 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 the produced music and all these things, Vili the Warrior and all these things that, that were thin, that, that became tradition. When Greg McMacken took over, those things started to go away. Then when Greg, Mac Greg McMacken left, Norm Chow came in. He got his own traditions, right? And then Rolo comes in. And, and so when you have something like this that's not made by a head coach, that's, that kind of happens just organically, you need to protect it at all costs. And so I hope moving forward that's something we never have to talk about again, that the Final 15 will play out at UH football games. Rich Miano, those traditions, like you talk about what's, what makes college football special – I mean, these are really important for the program, for the fans, for the people who experience University of Hawaii football, right? Yeah, and, you know, Kanoa Lee was mentioning how even though the Denver Broncos-New York Jets game in Denver wasn't a great football game, it was the in-game entertainment. You go to Las Vegas and you watch the Knights play hockey. It's in-game entertainment. You need to make sure you're entertaining the fans because it's a different type of fan base. And you, you write about traditions and culture, Rob, and all those things. I mean, we still haven't fixed the microphone for the national anthem yet that seems to go out during the, you know, playing, you know, the nation's greatest song. So 
and no disrespect to whoever's in charge of in-game entertainment, whatever else at the University of Hawaii, there's a lot going on. It's obviously a makeshift stadium, but you're right, Rob, you're the kind of guy that should at least be a consultant or at least have a say in what happens at the University of Hawaii because you understand the importance of entertainment. You understand the importance of culture and tradition. And we all can continue to sing about this, but somebody's got to make some changes that are somewhat permanent. Yeah, and, and you bring it up. It's a makeshift stadium, Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. You know how you fix a lot of these issues with microphones and and uh, all the other things that fans can't be able to experience within a football game, like being able to walk onto a concession stand that, that's on a concourse and go to the bathroom and do all these other things that normal stadiums have? Well, you build a new stadium. You build an actual stadium, not a field with bleachers. That's how you fix a lot of these problems. R.J. Hollis. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to really just piggyback off of you, Rob, is this the traditions. When you look at the University of Oregon and what they do with Shout, when you look at Wisconsin and what they do with House of Pain and Jump Around, I think the most beautiful thing about having that Final 15, like what you said, is that no matter if the head coaches change, Colt Brennan's still Colt Brennan. One love is still one love. So regardless of who's in there and who's out, we still have that. So if he leaves, Colt Brennan's legacy does not leave with him. Bob Marley's discography does not leave with him. So that would be the best thing. And for me, one thing I always wish that happened was that the ha'a, it was the haka when I was there, but that the ha'a was something that was etched in stone on a wall. So that just like the tradition with one love, that final 15, that ha'a is there regardless of who the coach is. And if you played 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you could come back. And if you remember that, ha-ha, you could go out there and do it with the players that are still doing it loud, like they do over at Kahuku. So I think getting a tradition that can traverse coaching staffs, that can traverse players and generations, that is absolutely mandated right now. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say before we move on from this subject is, that, I mean, it, it's within the definition of tradition. It means you do it every time. Right. You, it, it's not like at Wisconsin where they're like, hey, I know we love jump around, but this 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 week oh, we're going to do a Halloween costume contest. Yeah, um, yeah. But don't worry, we'll, we'll come back next week and we'll do jump we'll around jump again. Around. Hey. Yeah, hey, 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 Rob, how about Israel Kamakavivioli's Hawaii 78? I mean, that song to me resonates forever and i think that's a powerful you know song and statement yeah and the university of hawaii walked out to that song last season this season they changed things up and they have a different song uh you know which it, i'm i'm cool with it's it just whatever that song is though keep it for more than one Every season day. so that fans yeah. can get used to it fans yeah. can sing along with it fans can get that feeling and they know when they hear this song that means it's game time right traditions i mean it's, it's what's been lacking at the university of hawaii football program for so many years i hope someone finally just gets it together makes a list hey these are the things that are untouchable moving forward and, and so it allows uh traditions to be born with the rainbow warrior football program and it means even more to me now because my kids are going to these football games right and, and i want my kids to be able to have the kind of experience that i had growing up where i knew the rain bows chant i knew hawaii 5 all these other things that would happen right I, I want them to have that similar experience that i had of knowing uh of just that i'm a part of something right that Preach. you're a part of that game day experience so hopefully that's something moving forward off love of the it. football field all right last thing here from both football final mailbox and i love this question with all my heart because the way it's asked it almost feels like uh 
uh, not to be mean, but like it almost feels like this person's like at a like a psychiatry session, and, <laughs> and he's asking like for help. Guys, Rich, RJ, Rob, please. And and I'm just gonna read it exactly how it was written. Uh, is it possible to still feel good about a team that is two and seven? Because that's how I feel, and I don't understand it. Right? I mean, I could just picture this person lying down on a couch asking this question. And so, Rich, uh, let's help out Madden from Kona. Uh, is it okay that he feels good about a football team that is two and seven? My degree was in education, Rob, but I tell my kids I'm a doctor. So let me take a stab <laughs> at this. I, I, I really do believe, you know, the longer I'm around Timmy Chang and Nate Lawa and Chris Brown and Abraham Illamimim and anyone that bleeds green. And there's some guys that truly bleed green. And I hear Timmy's plan and I see these guys recruiting and how how much work they're putting in. You know what? This is a, a, a program that needs to be successful. This is a program that needs a leader that believes in Hawaii and believes in his people and believes in the culture. So we, we do have that. So therefore, they've been losing such close games, and we hope there's athletic justice, but say there isn't. This is going to be a huge rebuild. When you look at the University of Hawaii, how many seniors are on this roster out of the starting 22? There's going to be a whole bunch of new faces next year. It's tough to build, you know, this uh, – foundation when you need to go to Lowe's and Home Depot before you can even start the concrete slab. So let's give these guys some time because it's that important for, to me, for this state, for everybody else. And I do think that you can't give up on these guys because they've been battling, man. Every player hurts. They cry. They, they're feeling, the coaches are feeling it. Trust me when I tell you, it's hard when you lose. Yeah, RJ, I, I, is the reason why Madden feels this way that, that he does still feel good about this football team, despite them being two and seven. And maybe it's the key word that rich put out there is these guys are grinding. These guys are fighting their tails off. Oh yes, most definitely. And I mean, the brotherhood mantra coming in the excitement that created, that was one thing. But when you lost all that talent, Let's not forget that almost every preseason prediction was for a two-win to three-win team. So at the end of the day, they're on schedule for what they were projected to do by most outsiders looking in. But if you've been watching every game, if you've been analyzing every game, you see this is really a five- or six-win team already. They just haven't been able to get those little itty-bitty pieces there. It's one thing if you're getting blown out 20 points a game, 21 points a game, 28 points a game, because there's no hope for you to even hold on to. But if you've watched every single game with the slow progression and you've seen the heartbreakers and you've seen these four-quarter coin toss games where we're within one possession, so realistically we could have won, I think there's, you know, not anything to be necessarily excited about, but you can be pleased with it because you go back to even a game like San Diego State, Hawaii was supposed to lose that game by 20 or more. They only lost by two. They still lost, but that was not the type of performance they were supposed to have against them. So I think there's a lot of positives to pick at, especially if you're a fan of the University of Hawaii, because if you're watching now, you're not bandwagon. You're not somebody that's just like, you know, jumping on the trends like, hey, oh, let me go be a University of Hawaii football fan real quick. Like, no, you've been following it for a while. You know what the projections were for this season. You knew this was supposed to be a rebuilding season. But watching these games, everybody that's watched it knows that since the Mountain West has started, Hawaii is this close 
to being exactly what you would want it to be, and that's undefeated in conference. So even though the results don't pan out to fruition, we've seen these games, we watch these games closely. This is a team that's grinding, and they're doing the absolute best they can. And unfortunately, it's just not turning into wins. But it's something for you to be happy about if you're watching this team. Well, we shall see what happens when the Rainbow Warriors hit the road to take on Fresno State arch-rival Bulldogs. They got to walk the Red Mile on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Hawaii time, and it will be televised on FS2. But we'll be talking about how that one goes down here on Bo's Football Final. It's every Monday at KHON2.com, anywhere you download podcasts, popping off at 8.08 a.m. For Rich Miano and RJ Hollis, I'm Rob DeMello. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great week here. Bo's Football Final, saying aloha.